Reimagining Black Relations, a podcast on solutions to issues relating to the Black race. Welcome to another episode of Reimagining Black Relations. I'm your host, Dr. Francesca Fajimi. If you've ever had any dealings with Blacks, you have a Black matter, so this is for you. Together, let's begin to shape and reimagine our Black relations. Whether you are Black, white, or brown, trust me, you will learn, gain, and execute just by listening. Come along. Our first speaker is Dr. Jasmine Blanks-Jones, a dynamic theater nonprofit leader, award-winning educator who holds a dual PhD in education and Africana studies from the University of Pennsylvania. She will speak on Pan-Africanism. Over to you, Dr. Blakes. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm very excited after hearing those amazing remarks by Reverend Al Sharpton. So Dr. Sharpton left us with this charge that having the technology that we do, we should be far more connected. I'd like to start just highlighting two hashtags that come up consistently, Black Lives Matter and African Lives Matter, with the question, why aren't these used together more often than they are separately? I would like to give a quick overview of what we mean when we're thinking about Pan-Africanism. This is not a, a newer thing that's occurred only in the 1900s. Back in the 1800s, Paul Cuffey, who was in the United States, led a team to Sierra Leone, a black man who was a billionaire, who had his own money, his own resources, took a team to engage in commerce, in trade with our brothers and sisters on the continent. This is what Reverend Al Sharpton just encouraged us to continue doing. If we can make music move across the world, if we can make commerce move across the world, we can make our political agenda move across the world as well. In the 1900s, in Liberia, uh, Liberia, Guinea, and uh, Ghana gathered together, their presidents in Liberia and Saniqueli, and they had the vision for what became the Organization of African Unity. Uh, Liberia, has a controversial history when it comes to Pan-Africanism. We need to continue to think about the role of what changes when we have different kinds of privileges and opportunities as diasporans, as Africans of different economic backgrounds, with different types of educational privilege. What are we doing with the opportunities we have had and how do we make sure that those opportunities are reaching all of our people in ways that lift all of us together? Ethiopia, another beacon of Pan-Africanism, a, a country that was never colonized. Um, how are we thinking about the role of these essential Pan-Africanist movements and places where we have been known to reconceptualize what it means for Black people, African people, to be liberated, to be free? Marcus Garvey, who was perhaps our foremost known uh, scholar, activist, on Pan-Africanism set a people without their own knowledge of their past history, of their origin, of their culture. We're like a tree without roots. And so I, I lift these examples of our history of Pan-Africanism, just some brief examples to question what are young people doing today to engage in these very deep discussions about how we lift together how we lived collectively, and how we lived when our interests may at times appear to be different based on our station and our position in this globe. There are three concepts that come up from the examples I've shared. The first is Black internationalism, 
The second is Black liberation. And then the third really is Pan-Africanism. And each of these terms has had different ways of resonating with the times in which people were living and the goals of the work they were doing. Paul Cuffey, for example, was keen on making sure that Black people increase their economic opportunities. Uh, Black liberation focused in many ways on connecting the shared struggles of child slavery in the United States and the Caribbean with the liberation movements on the continent during independence. And then we have Pan-Africanism, which spans in some ways many of these different kinds of movements and has been taken up in different ways by different groups, but with a goal that connects us rather than that focuses on the the different ways that we show up in the world and the hierarchies, which sometimes appear in our national difference and in our economic difference. We really have to be careful about these differences and work towards coming together for lifting us all. So I propose rather than just using these hashtags only of Black Lives Matter or only of African Lives Matter, how can we use them together, young people, young people who are the the lead in connecting us through technology, young people who are the creatives, who are the biggest content creators on social media and the globe, Black young people, African young people together. How can we be more intentional as we build a global Africa? Lives matter for all of us. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited for your questions and to continue the discussion. Dr. Blanks Jones, she set the stage. So here we go. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Dr. Jones. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty deep, and we are now grounded. At this junction, I'm going to invite Paulina Bolatito Ogunleye, the Pay Ambassador for Africa. Paulina is 21 years old the first female president of the Faculty of Arts Student Union at the University of Lagos in Nigeria. And she's the longest sitting president of the same body. She will speak on the perspective of youth in Africa. Paulina? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Hello, Africa. Um, I want to especially thank the PAY organization for the opportunity to serve as the PAY Youth Ambassador for Africa. I consider it a great honor to be in the company of distinguished speakers and youth of Africa, who by the virtue of being on this meeting have indicated that they are the change Africa has been waiting for. Welcome. I see that we have a lot of people. We have people in Senegal. We have people in different parts of the world, um, people that are live streaming this. And I just want to say well done. So if I'm going to talk about um, youth perspective on politics and everything in Africa, I think we must first ask, answer a very important question. The first is why is there a need to mobilize young people to participate in politics? This question arises from an already growing problem in the African political space, which is the high rate of political apathy among youths in Africa in the sphere of political administration and nation building. Then let us examine why this young generation get frustrated about bad leadership, but yet disinterested in political participation, despite being born at a period where African states were transitioning into stable democracy. The Generation X in Africa is an important player in this discussion. Preceding the new generation, they experienced the political agony and disenfranchisement associated with African military rule and the transitioning into democratic rule. This generation heavily mobilized themselves for political participation as it was portrayed as the glorious way of taking charge in the administration and in turn the transformation of their countries after decades of political disenfranchisement. Unfortunately, 
decades later, numbers show a disappointing political trend. For example, using Nigeria as a case study, within the span of 10 years, between 1999 to 2019, the percentage of votes from the registered voters declined from 40% to 30% with the greatest decline in the last three years. One of the concepts that African youth must understand is the concept of grassroots development. The, this concept is called grassroots for a reason. If the root of the plant is weak, it will not provide the necessary nutrients able to make the plant healthy and in turn will be unable to bear good fruit. This is exactly how governance works. African youth actively complain, get frustrated and agitated about the lack of green leaves, not to even talk about the fruits. So they think of a grand goal of holistic transformation of the laws, structures and executives that you know, make up governance in the nation and then engaging in revolutionary protests both online and physically. That action is like the cutting of the branch of a dry tree and trying to engraft a fresh branch in, with green leaves to it. With the foundational system of plant cycle that is evident, that fresh branch will eventually run dry. Yes, we can declare the land is green, but we must constantly supply the nutrients into the soil to see the field of green trees we want. The African youth must start at the local level. The highest rate of political maladministration happens at these levels, actually. If you see a pothole on the road to your place of work or school, the first point to channel your dissatisfaction should not be to the state governor. It should be to your local government for those that you know, practice that system of government. Hold your local councillors accountable and demand for transparency in their administrative activities. The people are supposed to be the fire that refines their local authorities to be efficient political systems. No fire from the people and local administrations become dull and are slowly robbed of their autonomy as the people keep throwing stones to the top floors of the skyscrapers. The African youth must first transform his immediate environment by seeing himself as an identity and a voice heard in the administration of his locality. For the longest time, we have been comfortable with sitting in this victim position, just being comfortable with complaints and revolutions and all of these things, which are great, but that is not the end goal. The end goal of every revolution is to see change. And so after revolution, we know we've taken our play cards to the streets. We have complained about you know, so many things. The most important thing is to sustain that momentum to get the change that we need to see. And so the African youth must politically take down the corrupt systems of inefficiency at the local level and erect efficient and effective structures of accountability and transparency that will groom good leadership. As important as it is to have a good leader as the president, it is equally important to have good leaders as local administrators, as the pressure impacted at the local level will systematically be felt at the top. Having said all this, you know, I think that if there's anything you should take away from this meeting, it is that voting is a requirement. It is non-negotiable for you as an African youth. You should hold your local leaders accountable for good or bad governance by owning your voters card. In Nigeria, they call it PVC, it's the permanent voters card. The registration is on now. And if you come to a summit like this and you're not fired up to get your PVC after this, then you've not taken anything away from this. Please know that no matter how much you think the system is corrupt, your vote is the greatest power that you have alongside the network of young people like you who are interested in making change. And this platform is the best place for you to groom that desire. 
I want to really thank the, the Pan-African Youth Forum leadership and the youth of Africa for trusting me as the ambassador. Together, we shall transform our continent, the richest continent on the earth, to a place desired by all people. God bless the Pan-African Youth. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paulina. That was beautiful. I would introduce our guest speaker. He is Dr. Professor Seth Asuma, State University of New York, Distinguished Teaching Professor, Chair and Professor of Africana Studies and Professor of Political Science at the State University of New York at Scotland. He will be speaking on effective mobilization for political success. Over to you, Prof. Thank you so very, very kindly. I'd like to say a good day, uh, Pan-Africanists and beautiful people. And I'd like to greet you in the Pan-African tradition, Hotep, enduring peace. Akwaba, welcome, Subona, we see you. Now I'd like to express my heartfelt gratitude to Dr. Francesca Fajime for making this Pan-African gathering happen. It's long overdue. Our tomorrow begins today. And yes, your black martyrs. Gil Scott Heron once told us that we needed a revolution and mobilization, but he warned us that the revolution would not be televised. And I'm glad that you are all here today. You are here to bear witness to the Ubuntu philosophy of connectedness, political mobilization, Pan-Africanism. You are here to bear witness to the politics of utification, to reaffirm our agency, the capacity to act, to make a change in a Pan-African worldview. Today, we come together, born by faith and a desire for mobilization and a stronger Pan-African youth movement. We are not a perfect people, but we have a perfect mission, a mission to redefine our global community by making our youth integral in the process of political change. We must stay on this mission. And this mission is for a Pan-African community engagement, whether it's in the US, Africa, in the Caribbean, or wherever you are, you are a Pan-African. A mission to make clear that Pan-African prosperity cannot be fully attained without a clear vision of political utification. A mission to change the existing global distribution of power and resources, which is the primary function for mobilization. We got to change this distribution of power and resources. And a mission to change this moment into a movement a movement for youth empowerment in the 21st century Pan-African side guys. The bankruptcy and the tyranny of silence and inactivity would only destroy our appetite for mobilization. So 
demonstrations, protecting voting rights, game changes in our mission, political action committees, lobbying groups, autonomous political participation, social networking, hashtag black girl magic, hashtag your black matters, and striving for global Pan-African policy change should be in our arsenal for political mobilization. In the final analysis, it does not really matter what political system we belong to. We do not need a perfect political system. We need perfect political participation and mobilization for success. Chavez echoed that. It is through political mobilization that those who are underserved will be equitably served. Mobilization is the language of the voiceless, the unheard, the forgotten, the disenfranchised in the political process. And through our fight against global hegemonic systems, our work will be done, but hegemony is not absolute. We must challenge it all the time. We should be outraged about the current global distribution of power and resources. My friends, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing this afternoon is a quest for a Pan-African Indaba. That is very, very relevant. So let's take a cue from Sister Angela Davis. We are no longer accepting the things that we cannot change. We are changing the things that we cannot accept for a stronger Pan-African community. The us versus the them, and the all versus the nothing metastasizes into hopelessness and complacency. Mobilization is not listed in the phone book, yet mobilization is listed in our human condition. Mobilization lists itself in the human spirit. In the process of mobilization, a new form of leadership is needed. A social change model of leadership is needed for our youth. Here, leadership for mobilization is not identified with just a person. It is identified with the process of social change. This leadership should be developed through collaboration based on Ubuntu philosophy, where our humanity is inextricably linked with others. Common purpose consciousness of self, Pan-African citizenship, congruence of our cognitive structures and our actions, controversy with civility and commitment are the defining principles for a Pan-African human condition. I say thank you, Midasi Asantisana. My, my. Prof, thank you so much. Our next speaker and the last speaker for this first session is Honorable 
Maynard Gibson. She's the first female to take silk in the Bahamas and advocate for people-centered justice, diversity, and the rights of women and children, and an expert in governance, restructuring, and rebranding of organizations. She will speak on ethics and leadership. Madam A.G. Thank you, Dr. Fakini. And thank you for convening the summit and to all of you for attending. And this morning, I want to thank Reverend Sharpton for his inspirational message. I'm so honored to be in this virtual arena today with young people from across the diaspora. You understand the effect of young people in the diaspora and Africa. That's almost 1 billion people uniting for a common cause. Today, you exemplify the meaning of Ubuntu. As I think about ethical leadership, the concept of justice is inescapable. The concept of justice has moved me since I was a child. It is my passion. That's why I'm a lawyer. Think about it. How meaningful are rights if they can't be enforced? Research has been done to show that 1.5 billion people cannot obtain solutions for their civil, administrative, or criminal justice problems. 4.5 billion people are excluded from the opportunities the law provides. 253 million people live in extreme conditions of injustice. Although these numbers may seem overwhelming, they are not stopping people who are working in this space to promote justice for all. You know that technology is a great empowerer. If you need proof, look at the Black Lives Matter movement that rapidly united people across the world in a common pursuit of justice for all. Imagine the effect of technology and social media on the 21st century Pan-African movement. Now, spiritual leaders remind us that if you want to lead, you must serve. The first among you must be a servant of all. So how can you serve? I encourage you to tap into your passion. Promote justice right where you are. For example, if climate justice is your passion, in your schools, universities, and homes, are you recycling? Are you measuring your carbon footprint? Are you encouraging your family and friends to be aware of their carbon footprint? UN Women has called intimate partner violence the shadow pandemic. Can you create an online forum where people 24 7, 365 can chat rather than attack, whether physically or verbally? Chatting in the forum could help by diffusing the situation that otherwise would lead to violence. Technology enables translation. Can you imagine people from different countries in the diaspora sharing experiences, sharing challenges, and sharing solutions? And as your online forum grows in followers and users, as it is monetized, could you be a force for change by accepting only corporate sponsors who promote healthy lifestyles or any other value system that's important to you? I am a member of the Justice Leadership Group where former ministers of justice are available to share experiences privately with current ministers of justice. We help them to innovate and connect with each other and to share resources, 
across countries and continents. These are a few examples of things that you can do emanating from your passion. I would like to leave you with a few mustard seeds. One, you can make a difference. I want to repeat that. You can make a difference. Number two, ask yourself, why do you want to lead? Are you prepared to make the sacrifices necessary in leadership and service? Three, remember that it isn't where you come from, it's where you're going that counts. That's from Ella Fitzgerald and many others too. Number four, transformation starts with a dream. Dream big. Think of Martin Luther King's dream. Think of the dream of President Nelson Mandela and his comrades. Number five, think out of the box. Don't be put in a slot. Think out of the box. The Montgomery bus boycott was a catalyst for big change in the civil rights movement. It was innovation at its best. Think about it. People innovating with what they had, their own two feet. This was literally the first step in bringing an evil system, an unjust system to its needs. Six, never give up the pursuit of justice in its widest sense. For example, equitable access to housing, education, healthcare, a living wage, and easy access to dispute resolution. These are only a few examples of justice in its widest sense. These and other values-based principles promote strong, just, and equitable societies. And today, as we focus on the UN SDGs, we recognize that they are foundational to sustainable development. I want to leave you with words from Congressman John Lewis, the late Congressman. Freedom, and here I replace justice, so justice is the continuous action we all must take. And each generation must do its part to create an even more fair, more just society. The work of love, peace, and justice will always be necessary until their realism and their imperative takes hold of our imagination, crowds out any dream of hatred or revenge, and fills up our existence with their power. It is my prayer that each of you will take up your mat and lift us all from strength to strength. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today with you. Thank you, Dr. Pashini.